All right, we are doing a double this week. Doesn't mean it's going to be twice as long. Take a breath. It's going to be okay. But because we didn't have a sermon last week, because um, Paul was sick and I was sick and there was much sickness and we just worshiped and sang. And we're going to do two sections of scripture this week. So we're looking at Ephesians. We're looking at chapter four into the first part of chapter five. It's going to be found on page 951 in your Pew Bibles. Ephesians 4, 17 through 5, verse 2. And you'll find it helpful to keep your Bibles open as we go through this. Paul says this, Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They've lost all sensitivity and have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you've heard about him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. You were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to clothe yourself with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you are marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. So we're taking a bit of a turn here in Ephesians. The first half of the book, chapters 1, 2, and 3, the first bit of 4, have all been about what God has done for us. All focused on what God's acts have been. God chose us before the foundations of the world. He named us. He brought us into his family, predestined us to be his children. It's all in chapter 1. We talked about how God has invited us to get off the treadmill, get down on our knees to embrace grace. We're all in the family of God. We talked about the fact that he's broken down the walls that divide us from each other and brought us together. He's building us up. He's growing us up. All of these things that God is doing. And now there's a turn. All right, God's done all this stuff. Now this is the difference that it's supposed to make in your life. God's done all this stuff, chapters 1 through 3. This is the difference it's supposed to make in your life, chapters 4 through 6. 
So Paul's really clear. He starts off right away. Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord, that you don't live like the Gentiles live. Now, who can remember to whom Paul is writing here? Who's he writing to? Gentiles and Right, everybody, Jews and Gentiles, everybody. So it's like, it's like if I were to go to you and say, for those of you who are American citizens, stop living like Americans, right? Stop living like Calvin College students. It's, it's like, well, that's who we are. But his point is that isn't who you are anymore. Because of what he's already said in chapter 2 about the breaking down of the dividing wall and Jews and Gentiles are now together, all together in one group. You remember this, right? So your primary identity isn't Jew and it isn't Gentile, it's Christian. Follower of Jesus Christ, child of God, that's your primary identity. That's the identity that you need to live out of. And Paul needed to be really clear with them about this. He needed to be really clear with the Gentiles because when the new believers came into the church, it was very easy for them to take all the good stuff about Christianity and just kind of leave behind the hard stuff, right? Take all the good stuff like, hey, there's grace. I don't have to work my way to heaven anymore. That's great. I don't have to go do all the pagan temple things anymore. That's great. I just get to love and hold hands with people and sing, and this will be great. I love this. It's easy to take that part of the, the, the fun stuff of Christianity and just kind of forget the other stuff where, you know, you have to, like, stop stealing and swearing and being angry at people for no reason. And, you know, I mean, it's, let's do this part again with a hand-holding and sing. Can we do this more? Because it's so tempting and it's so tempting for the new believers to want to do that and leave that behind because the alternative was so hard. Their parents were pagans. Their clients were pagans. People that they passed on the street swore allegiance to Rome, worshipped Artemis. It was all around them. If they couldn't talk about the things that everybody else was talking about, how were they going to maintain their friendships with people? Everybody was pagan around them. Everybody was Gentile. Their high school buddies, their old teammates, all the women in the Brook group, everybody that their kids went to school with, the guy they bought their meat from, everybody was a Gentile. Can you imagine the risk for them if word got out that they had stopped giving money to the temple at Artemis? Can you imagine how much business a businessman would lose if people found out that he spent his free time with a bunch of Jews and slaves and women singing songs and praying? Can you imagine how scared they were to send their kids out into this community? It was so much easier to just keep these things separate. Let's do the Christian thing with the Christian people and then just live the rest of life. You know, maybe not do the pagan stuff, but 
I mean, we may walk to the temple or stand there, but it's not like, we're, it's not like our hearts are in it, but it just makes everything easier. It just, it just makes everything easier if we just keep this over here and keep that over there. Oh, it's a good thing we don't like, live like that, isn't it? I mean, it's a good thing that we know what it's like to live as a full Christian, like full identity, straight on. We stand up for what we believe. We're willing to talk about it. We witness boldly. I mean, yeah, Paul talks about, you know, not swearing. And Okay, so when you play Call of Duty and somebody picks you off, okay, maybe then you may say something inappropriate or... You know, he talks about not being angry and not holding grudges, but, you know, if your prof really gives you an unfair grade and then she gives you another unfair grade, I mean, you know, like then, then it makes sense, right? I mean, come on. It's just, you know, we, we just, we want to be Christians, but we, we also kind of want to be cool. I mean, you know, Christians get a really bad rap. We're seen as unenlightened and against everything and teetotalers and killjoys. And so if we occasionally, you know, just kind of bridge those gaps with other people, that's okay, right? Because, you know, people need to know that it's, it's okay to be a Christian. Like, you can be a Christian and be cool. It's okay. You can do both. So... I mean, if we, you know, drop the occasional F-bomb or if we steal just, just a few paragraphs for our paper or, you know, just decide we're not going to talk to that person anymore, those are just occasional slights. They're just, it's not like we're really living in any way like we're not supposed to. I mean, because it's hard. It's hard, you know, if, if you're the one on the floor that never goes to the parties when you're invited, eventually you don't get invited to go to any parties anymore. And if you're the one on, in your house who kind of winces when people swear, then people start to resent that and they start to avoid you. And that's just hard. It's just hard. When you tell people that you'd really rather go to loft or go to chapel and, and worship than hang out and play yet another game of whatever they're blowing up on the computer. It's just, it can be hard. So sometimes it's just easier. It's just easier to do the Christian thing in the Christian place with the Christian people and then just kind of do other stuff. I mean, it's just easier. Paul says, no. He doesn't say, oh, well, I'll give you a pass. No. He doesn't say, well, that's really a no. Well, I can really understand because you're in a tough... No! Now this I affirm and insist on in the Lord, verse 17. You must no longer live as the Gentiles live. 
And then just in case you didn't know what he was talking about, in the futility of their minds, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and hardness of heart. They've lost all sensitivity. They've abandoned themselves to licentiousness. And then get this line, they are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. They are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. There's no gray area in this section in Paul. In fact, very rarely is there ever any gray area when you're reading Paul. Look, he says, you've got a choice to make. No longer live as the Gentiles live. And this is what he says, verse 20. Why? Well, that's not the way you learn Christ, he says. For surely you've heard about him. You were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. Then verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 5 verse 1, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul says, I know that it's hard. I know how hard it is. But I also know that you've been given a great gift to help you in this. And that's what he's talking about in verse 30. You see verse 30, there's kind of that odd line, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. This is the only place in the New Testament where that line comes up. And it's a direct quote, if you'll flip, to Isaiah 63, 605 in your pew Bibles. Isaiah 63, page 605. Verse 7, 8, and 9 of Isaiah 63, lay out what God has done. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of God. Verse 8, for he said, surely they are my people, children who will not do falsely. And he became their savior in all their distress. Isaiah says, it was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Verse 10, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he became their enemy. He himself fought against them. They rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Now remember that one of the other audiences that Paul's writing to here are the Jews. And he was not letting them off the hook by saying, don't live like the Gentiles live. You Jews, just take a minute. I'm talking here to this group. He was saying this to everybody. Everybody, he said, I don't care how long you've known God. I don't care how long you've been a follower of Jesus Christ. Everybody listen up. Because you Jews know what happens when people rebel against God. Bad things. You get sent into exile. God judges you. Bad things happen. You get spread all over the world. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's because one of the Holy Spirit's great works is to sanctify us, to make us holy. 
At the top of Holy Spirit's to-do list, it's help everybody become more holy. That's what he's working on. He's trying to make us holier, a process called sanctification. That's his big work in our lives. I have a dog. Some of you have met her. Her name is Zoe. She is um, half golden retriever and half standard poodle. And so her hair grows out long and blonde and curly and thick. And she likes to run through the woods and she really likes to play in mud puddles. And so every point, we get to a point every few months or so that my brushing her out is not going to do any good anymore. We have, to, we have to call in the professionals. And so, so I take her to the groomer. And I did that just this Friday. I took her to the groomer, and then I picked her up, and she was all soft, and she smelled really good. And we sat together in the big chair on Friday night, and I was reading a book, and she was on my lap. It was like very L.L. Bean catalog kind of thing going on there. <laughs> and, and it was just so nice. I thought, it's just so nice to have this nice, clean, soft, fresh-smelling dog. And then um, this morning, we were walking early, and I let her off the lead at this wooded area a little bit away from my house. And, and I was just kind of walking along, and I turned around and I looked back at her, and she was rolling in the mud. <laughs> and I had this little moment where the Holy Spirit kind of came and did one of these, like... <laughs> and he said, you know that feeling that you have right now of this? He said, that's how I felt this week. When you were having that conversation with this person and you called that person a name. I was like, oh, oh. Because I'd had this text in my mind and in my heart this week and this line about don't slander. Because I'd been talking uh, with someone and uh, talking about someone who doesn't work here, none of you know him. And, and I had said, that guy's such a jackass. And I could just feel in the moment the Holy Spirit just going, no, uh-uh, no. Because here's the deal. Jesus did not die to make us cool. Jesus did not die to make our lives easier. Jesus died to make our lives matter. And the Holy Spirit was up in my grill saying, look, I want your life to matter. I want your life to make a difference. And when you throw out words like that, thinking you're being all cool or hip or whatever, you're just breaking my heart. Why are you rolling around in the mud when I work so hard to bring people into your life, to bring you into opportunities for worship, to speak to you through the word? I'm working so hard to keep you clean, and then you just go and roll in the mud. You grieve me. Jesus did not die to make your life easier. Jesus did not die to make the lives of the Gentiles back in Ephesus easier. Jesus died so that we can have lives that matter, so we can have lives that make a difference. 
And the way that happens is when the Holy Spirit pours down on us and gives us gifts. You may remember from two weeks ago when we read in the passage about, he says, some to be apostles, some to be prophets and teachers, some to be pastors. When the Holy Spirit gets us all cleaned up and we're free, that's when we use our gifts. That's when we get to serve each other. That's when we get to build community. That's when our lives matter. And anytime we are more concerned with being cool or having an easy life, the odds are really good we are not obeying the Spirit. Where is it for you? Where are you rolling around in the mud? Where are you trying to say, this is my Christian thing with my Christian friends and I do the Christian thing and I say the Christian words and then this is other. Where are you doing the thing where you rationalize, well, it's not that big of a deal. I don't say it that often. I only took it once. I paid her back. She didn't even notice that I stole it. Where are you rationalizing? Where are you making room for the devil? The reason why Paul is so black and white, the reason why Paul is so strong in this is because the stakes are so high. There's a difference, he says, when you make room for the devil and you grieve the Holy Spirit and when you live out of the new self, when you live like Jesus Christ, when you imitate God. He says there's a big difference not only for you but for everybody who knows you. The stakes are so high because our God wants your life to matter. Your life can matter. Your life can make other people's lives better. Your life through the power of the Holy Spirit because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ can be a life that makes a difference. Don't you want to sign up for that? Wouldn't you rather do that than kind of rationalize your sin and roll around in the mud and segregate your life? Wouldn't you rather just give it all to Jesus? Wouldn't you rather just do that and say, I don't care about being cool anymore. I don't care who likes me or doesn't like me. I am laying it all out for Jesus. I am putting it on the line right here, right now, today. I go out of here 110% committed to God and my life is going to look different tonight and tomorrow and the day after that because of it. I'm going to work really hard on my language. And I mean that in all sincerity. Like I've made strides, but obviously I got some work to do. What are you going to work on? Where are you going to invite the Spirit in? Where are you going to say, come on, let's go. Clean me up. Get me out of the dirt. Help me to live a life that matters. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love, just as Christ gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Live a life that matters. Will you pray with me?
Our God, we give you praise and thanks that you do not give up on us. That your Holy Spirit comes and taps us on the shoulder and helps us to look hard at our lives. And then helps us to live lives that matter. Lord, some of us need courage. We need to be able to speak boldly about our faith in our rooms, in our suites, on our floors, in our houses, in our classes, to our friends. Some of us need to work through some anger. Some of us need to watch our speech. All of us need to imitate you more and more and push the devil away. Lord, we pray that you will give us grace and courage and allow us to move into a relationship with you so that through your power, we can have lives that matter. Through Jesus Christ, we pray, and all God's people say, amen.